Hey guys, Ball Down South Sportsway, welcome in. This is Brad. Uh, we have a special guest today, um, and his name is John Dunn. John, are you with us today? I am. All right. And John Hammonds is with me as well. Um, so we are going to kind of give a in-depth preview of the Tennessee LSU matchup for Saturday. It's one of the bigger games of the week. And, uh, we appreciate John Dunn coming on with us. Hammonds, are you here with me? Yeah, everybody. All right, man. Um, so John, tell us a little bit about John Dunn. Tell me a little bit about what you, um, do as a writer for Tennessee. So about, uh, six years ago now, I reckon, and I, uh, founded a, uh, call in talk show, Vegas talk show, something like the Paul Feinbaum show. Um, except with me instead of Feinbaum. Um, I've been covering Tennessee for, like I said, about six years now. I run the All Ball College, as well as being a, uh, call in based live web show. Um, also, you know, prepare articles and, Things that, you know, com and all that stuff. We got a pretty big presence on Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff. And, you know, it's just something uh, most of us young sports fans and stuff, we grow up, you know, dreaming about being down on the field, whether it's in uniform or just however we can get down there. And, you know, if you love something enough, you'll figure out a way. So, you know, that's just kind of what, uh, that's kind of how the show got started up. And for some reason, still yet to figure out why people enjoy listening to me. So, uh, Right. You know, it's, it's kind of taken off and, uh, you know, very thankful for that, but it's, uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do this for a living. So you get to be down on the field game days and stuff? Yeah. So here's the thing. Like I, I do, uh, when I, uh, for the media credentials, I typically do those, uh, you know, it's not a problem. However, there are all kinds of stipulations and rules and things to being on the field. You can't wear that team's colors. You can't cheer. You got to stay behind a certain section. You can't do this and that. I'm just not about that. When I go to a football game, I go to have fun. Whether yeah, yeah, I know I'm a reporter. Yes, I know I, I cover the team, but I'm also there as a fan too. You know, right. um, so I like to be able to cheer and I like to, be able to cut loose a little bit. And I, to goodness, prefer to sit in the stands. I get I get a better pulse for the uh, for the fan base, whichever fan base that may be. Um, but I, I prefer being in the stands with the with everybody else. You know, it just it lets me get a good pulse of the fan base and get the overall emotional feel of the game from those folks. And, uh, that's what I prefer, but uh, I, uh, I've been on the field for some pretty good games. Right. What well, John Hammonds, do you have any you want, first question you want to ask for him? Uh, my first question would be, you know, I noticed, you know, LSU has the, the red zone, the best red zone defense in the SEC and Tennessee has the best red zone offense. Um, what is the key for that going forward tomorrow? Like, is it which, which one do you think will break first? So, do me a favor, real quick, John. Go back over your question there. I uh, was running inside from a uh, ambulance or something. Oh no, you're good. Uh, the, you know, Tennessee has the number one red zone offense mm-hmm. in the SEC, and LSU has the number one red zone defense. Which do you think will break first Saturday, in your opinion? Okay, so here's the thing. Um, I think it's going to end up being LSU's defense because of this. LSU has played in very tight games so far this season. FSU, Auburn, both played them extremely close. Um, 
you know, they're coming off that Auburn win. It was a great win. You know, Auburn's not really a great team this year. Um, we got a lot of questions, especially at quarterback, but LSU's defense has given every single thing they've had thus far just to narrowly pass some of these opponents. FSU. They didn't get past FSU, which is what I'm saying. Um, against the uh, you know, gave out everything they had, um, and just barely squeaked by or barely lost, what have you. And we've yet to see Tennessee even tap into their potential whatsoever, um, offensively. You know, last season, 2021, led the nation in first quarter scoring 14.6 points per game. Uh, you know, I mean, edging the second best team by nearly four points per, you know, opening quarter. So, you know, we've yet to see Tennessee's offense really explode and look like they did in 2021. And, you know, it was in the fifth game last year that Tennessee did that uh, against Missouri. So, you know, if, if the cards line up and everything like that, if the planets align, all that good stuff, and Tennessee does what they're supposed to, uh, you know, LSU is a very good team. And a lot of people have been overlooking them. And I've been telling people for, you know, a week, two weeks now, you, this is, this is going to be a very, very important game. This game right here could determine whether – Tennessee goes eight and eight and four and nine and three or ten and two. This could be that game. Right. Um, it's extremely important. You know, Baton Rouge is never an easy place to play. I don't care if it's you know seven o'clock in the morning, what have you. There's, it's still Death Valley, so right. Uh, it's going to be a tough place to play, and, and that's going to play into LSU's advantage a little bit. Whereas the time slot will play to Tennessee's advantage a little bit with the with the tempo of their offense and things like that. But um, when it comes down to, you know, which one's going to break first when it comes to the Tennessee's offense, LSU's defense, I'm going to have to go with LSU's defense just because I feel like they're a little bit more worn out, a little bit more tired, uh, exuded just about everything that they've had up to this point, whereas Tennessee's coming off a fresh bye week and has still yet to put together a complete performance in all three phases of the game. So, you know, when Tennessee does that, they're going to be lethal. And I'm not just saying that as a, as, a, as a fan, you know, I'm, or a biased source, but when they put an entire game together at all three phases, they're going to be absolutely lethal. So I got a question for you. What's the injury report look like for Tennessee going into this game? Is Cedric Tillman healthy? So Cedric Tillman is actually listed as the starting wide receiver. Um, and that is a little bit worrisome to me. Um, you know, it's, it's LSU. I mean, like I said, it's a tough game. A lot of people have been overlooking. It's a ranked game now. You know, LSU's ranked 25th in the country now, so this is a ranked matchup. Right. And I can understand wanting to have your best guys out there. However, Tennessee has the, I guess, distinct privilege of being, you know, one of the deepest teams in the country at wide receiver. You can just plug and play guys here and there. You know, you lose Cedric Tillman, big uh, 6'5", 220, you know, ish. A prototypical wide receiver. Well, guess what? You got Brew McCoy on the at the X over here, whereas Tillman at the Z. You got uh, Brew McCoy over here at the X, six five two twenty as well. I mean, it's a he's a prototypical receiver all on the same. So you've got guys like that um, that can just step in. It's not, it's like you're not really missing Cedric Tillman a whole lot because you do have Brew McCoy there. Then you've got guys like Ramel Keaton who stepped up big in the Florida game. Uh, you know, a big body wide receiver, possession wide receiver, and then you got a speedster like Jalen Hyatt there. Uh, on the edge as well. So Tennessee deep at the wide receiver position. Um, so, you know, whether Cedric Tillman plays or not, would love to see him play. If he's 100%, that's the only way, though. If he's if he's even 99.98%, I don't want to see him playing because Alabama's coming up next week. So right. that's a much bigger game than this one. Is there um, anybody but, else uh, that you guys are going to be missing? Tennessee's going to be missing on the injury report or no? So as of now, I don't believe so. I think that's our main, you know, other than scout team guys, I think that's our primary uh, injury up to this point. You had Dylan Sampson a little banged up after the Akron game as well. He was back the next week. So, uh, you know, I don't think 
the injury bug's going to bite us too bad. We've got a cornerback that's uh, that's set to come in this weekend, playing for the first time this season. He was poised to be uh, one of the best defensive backs in the nation and has yet to see the field due to an injury. So uh, D. Williams could very well play this weekend against LSU. Not a very pass-heavy team, but, you know, it's nice to have him there. It's, it's one of those better to have it, not need it, than need it, not have it situation. Right. All right, Hammond, you got another question for him? Uh, my, my second question is, you know, Hopple, the, the, the things that he's done since he's been there, you know, he, he had an opportunity to get Barry and Brown um, from Kentucky, and that's where I was going to go with this next question. What is your thoughts on the kid Barry and Brown? Um, you know, I knew he was a Tennessee um, – Lean there for a while. What's your thoughts on him going forward? Do you think maybe he could transfer later on down the road? Or So uh, y'all are probably seeing that all over the place, and I'm just going to go ahead and apologize. I, I started that um, completely just inadvertently. So last week, you know, we had a bye week, uh, and I was sitting around watching all kinds of college football. And of course, I'm going to pop on over and watch Kentucky play. I actually had – I'm the only person I know of that had Kentucky winning that game. the way Dude, I had Kentucky blowing Ole Miss out 35-21. to 21. I thought Kentucky was going to expose Ole Miss um, last week. Sadly, I was wrong. Uh, but, uh, you know, watching that game, uh, Key and Brown are both very good wide receivers. Uh, Baron Brown from Tennessee, uh, he should have been an orange in my opinion. Uh, that being said, I love the kid. I think he's a tremendous talent right now. You know, I just referenced how how uh, Tennessee is in the wide receiver core. I'd be putting him in the return game right now, uh, Barry and Brown. I think he would do a phenomenal job. I think he's one of the top ten players in the SEC in all-purpose yards, uh, about uh, fifth, sixth, somewhere around in there in purpose yards. So I love Barry and Brown, and I apologize to Big Blue Nation for – I wasn't trying to start a rumor. What I said was if Barry and Brown and Dan e wanted to transfer to Tennessee, I wouldn't be mad about it. And then next thing I know, <laughs> the next thing I know, the Kentucky message boards are – up with old Barry Brown's transferring. Nobody ever said that at all. Right. No one has. No one has even remotely referenced. Now let me ask you guys a question. Let me just let's throw out a hypothetical, uh, hypothetical situation. Let's say you have two jobs, right? You work for, you work for one guy that's really nice to you, pays you good. You know everything's fine. You guys get all your work done. Everything's taken care of, and then you go. Work for another guy that pays you a little bit less, and he's a little bit meaner to you, and things are a bit more chaotic. Well, you get offered, you know, you got to pick one of the two jobs. Which one are you going to? Probably going to pick the more stable, more, more calm, more easy, more, you know, just everything's kind of already squared off uh, sort of situation. That's what Kentucky is right in Tennessee. Josh Hopple's a great job here at Tennessee. He has really uh, stabilized the program. Starts at the top of the athletic director, Dean White, and so on and so forth. All the athletic programs that Tennessee are taking off right now. But there's still a lot of chaos and turmoil from all the, the, the past, you know, 12, 13 years. We're still kind of shaking all that stuff off. And right now we're starting to see the stages of shaking that rust off. But there is still a lot to go. Right. So if I'm a, if I'm a Kentucky player right now, Kentucky's having success. You know, and talked about as one of the teams in the SEC East, you know, potentially the second or third best team in the SEC East. I'm not going anywhere. And, John, you know this, I'm a big, big, big Mark Stoops guy. Um, I absolutely adore that man. Uh, if he coached anywhere else in the country, he'd probably be my coach. Um, but uh, I am big, big, big on Mark Stoops. What he's been able to do in terms of cementing 
his legacy and kind of stabilizing the UK football program, all while developing and, and helping them mature and grow into the football program that they've become. Now, it's good for the SEC that Kentucky is a good football program. And that's something that chaps my rear about uh, a lot of other Tennessee fan base, or a lot of other fan bases throughout the SEC, Tennessee, South Carolina, whomever it may be. Team is good. There is no shame in doing that. There's actually a few guys from Kentucky that I just absolutely can't stand. All they want to do is talk about Tennessee, even when they play them. All they want to do is talk about Tennessee. If they hurt you that bad, you need to step back from football a little bit. But if somebody can come to me and say, this team is going to be pretty good because if you can come up with some actual logical empirical evidence and a logical take, I'll listen to that all day long. Now, that's what I've been doing about Kentucky here. They are a good football team, and this take on them. Kentucky is a darn good football team. It would be one of the four best in the country if they had a quarterback. And I will die on that hill. I'm not big on Will Levis at all. I'm very, very, very critical of Levis at the college level. Now, at the NFL level, I do think he gets better. But, um, you know, at, at the college level, if Kentucky had, let's just say Hendon Hooker. If Kentucky had Hendon Hooker, they'd be undefeated right now. And they'd be talked about for the college football playoff, and that's no joke. Um, but you know, it's fun. Like I didn't mean to go off on a tangent, man. But uh, well, no, I agree with you to to an extent because you know I don't think it's so much with Levis being top five. I think it's his upside. Yeah. Now, Levis, listen. This is this is the thing about Levis. This is why he will likely be drafted as a high pick. There are two, three comparisons that I could draw that you guys. Yes, that's that's fairly accurate. Mitch Trubisky. Sam Darnold are the two that I will go back to every single time. They're all about the same size, got the big arm, mediocre college careers, with the exception of Darnold, he had a pretty good USC. You got Mitch Trubisky at UNC, had a, I think his best season was eight and four, whatever. Will Levis had, you know, had a ten and two season last year, whatever it may be, ten and three, whatever it was, um, pretty good year, you know, pretty good year, whatever. But mediocre stats in college compared to when when you when you get into his touchdowns versus turnovers. Especially his turnover, the guy can't hold on to nothing. Holds on to the ball so long in the passing game, it's like it has sentimental value to him. He's taking uh, safeties and sacks, and he's rid of the ball in that situation. But you got to do it correctly too. You can't throw in a triple coverage. You can't be putting it on the ground so much, especially in critical situations. That is my biggest, well, my biggest harp on Will Levis. Levis has a little bit of that gunslinger mentality, so you know he does. Yeah, yeah, I can understand it, and he definitely has the arm. The talent, he's got the body size, he's got it all. He actually surprised me a lot last season when I watched him when he transferred from Penn State. I thought he'd be a wash. I didn't think he'd see the field hardly. Um, he gets out there, he's a pretty good quarterback, especially in certain spots last season. You see him doing things, you see it, but the only thing is you have to know when you're doing too much, as Will Levis. You are the quarterback. This team goes as you go. If you go out there and you get your fingers broken half, get your, your legs snapped or something, your team is you know, you could ask anybody outside of Big Blue Nation who Kentucky's backup quarterback is, and they know that it's some guy from Somerset that led the team to a state championship. <laughs> they're not going to know this. Stuff. No, they're not. They're, they're going to have no idea who he is. You're like, who's Kentucky's backup quarterback? I don't know. Shoot, who? Nobody knows. You know? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. as as Will Levis goes, as team goes, he's got to make better decisions, not only for his career longevity, but for his team, uh, for winning purposes, for, for the betterment of the program. Uh, you know, he wants to leave this program in better shape than what he found it, I'm sure. And he will do that if he continues to do doing. But he's got to take care of his body. He's got to take care of himself. And with that, come cutting down on turnover. That's his biggest flaw 
is turnovers. And if he could if he could get down a little bit, he would definitely have, in my opinion, again not a, a college football expert. Well, I'm I'm say uh, an NFL football expert. I'm not, um, but uh, you know I. I don't know, man. I think he could have a much better – if he cuts down on those interceptions and fumbles, I think that he could earn the top draft spot. Honestly. Well, to be but fair, Kentucky's offensive line, the big blue wall, is having a whole lot of struggles this year compared to years in the past, the last four or five. Um, and, you know, they lost three three guys to the NFL. And, you know, so it's – you can definitely see that this year. Uh, we're five games, games in, uh, and you can fully tell, and we're going to be down probably an offensive tackle this week. So he, he's probably going to be hurting out. So, you know, um, Levis is kind of on the run a whole lot this year, it seems. So I got yeah, a, I got another question real quick. Um, <clears throat> this is my final question. Do you think a loss this week for Tennessee – would dim the the fan base in a way like like everything's been going great, everything's been going good, and then bam, we just lose. Well, John, you're pretty familiar with the Tennessee fan base, man. It really don't take a whole lot to get them bent out of shape. Uh, <laughs> that listen, is true. I've, I've I've been a member of the Tennessee fan base my entire life. Uh, I mean, I'm 30 year old, and uh, I've seen them get bent out of shape over not getting enough first downs in the game, playing the wrong music, uh, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, I have seen them get plumb bent. So if you talk to a local Tennessee fan and you say, hey, what what would happen to Tennessee loss in your opinion? What would that do for the season? They'll say, well, I mean, that that's probably the difference between nine or ten wins right there or eight and nine wins right there. That's probably your difference maker. That's what you'll get out of a logical fan. If you go to – one of the crazies, you're going to say, well, I knew Josh Apple wasn't a man for the job. It's time to get rid of him. You know, fire everybody. It feels like 98. Wee! You know, one of those types. I can't stand it. Um, but uh, you're going to hear some people probably say, well, this is going to parlay in more uh, degradation team. They're probably going to think if LSU does come out with a win, they're probably going to say, you know, Tennessee can't win when it matters most or on the road against ranked opponents, even though they've done that once already this year. Um, but they're just going to throw out every excuse under the sun why Tennessee is going to go five and seven for the rest of the year and whatever it may be. But logically, John, um, you know, a loss for Tennessee this weekend doesn't really do a whole lot. It's back to the drawing board. We know that this this span of the next five games, we're going to discount Tennessee Martin for a moment, but we know this span of LSU, Alabama, uh, Kentucky, Georgia, that's going to be, I mean, that's four straight ranked teams right there. That's why Tennessee has one of the toughest schedules in the country. You come out of that, you come out of that slate right there at least two and two, you've got a 10 season. You come right. out of that slate three and one, you've got an 11 win season. If you come out of that slate undefeated, you're going to the college football playoff as an undefeated number one team in the country, which I do not think that happens. I just want to say that I do not think Tennessee goes through Alabama, LSU, Georgia, and Kentucky all. Um, but, uh, yeah, I do think they pick up a win this Saturday in, in Baton Rouge. All right. So I, I want to talk to you about a little, I mean, if there's been a big ordeal about the Tennessee LSU game being at the noon time slot this week coming up, it's 11 a.m. local time down in Baton Rouge. And instead of being in the prime time slot, 
and there's been a big uproar about it. So what's your thoughts on that? I actually think that for Tennessee, uh, playing in Death Valley at 11 o'clock in the morning is totally different than playing at 7 o'clock at night. Without question, it is, 100%. And, uh, you know, the only ones that you're going to hear complaining about the game time and stuff is LA. Because Tennessee fans know, you know, the Tennessee fan base is well aware that a, that a noon Eastern uh, kickoff in Baton Rouge is a lot easier to uh, to play in than a extremely hostile environment in Death Valley, say seven o'clock at night in prime time, where it's like you're standing on the San Andreas Fault uh, when you're on the 50-yard line there, everything just shaking around violently. So I think it plays to Tennessee's benefit. You know, like I said earlier, I think it plays to Tennessee's benefit that this game is played at at, at noon Eastern. Um, I'm going to really alleviate a lot of that hostile environment stuff. Now, you know, one of uh, Tennessee's defensive ends this past week was quoted as saying it's, they look forward to going on the road because when they play at Neyland Stadium, the place, and this, he wasn't being sarcastic. He was being legitimate when he said this. And I didn't even think about it, but it makes a lot of sense. But y'all are well familiar with Neyland Stadium, how big it is, how loud it is, how rowdy it gets. There was a, um, uh, one of our defensive ends, uh, was on record this past week saying that they relish going on the road because they could actually communicate with each other on defense. They're able to hear one another, unlike in Neyland Stadium where it's so loud that they can't actually hear one another. Um, so they just kind of, they look forward to going on the road that way they can, they can communicate defensively. And I think that's going to play their benefit again with it being an 11 o'clock local time game there. So what do you think the keys to this game is for Tennessee versus LSU this week? Tomorrow. Taking care, so taking care of the ball is going to be extremely important. Now, you know, I talked about it earlier here at the start of at the, the podcast with you boys that Tennessee's going to have to come out and replicate some of that 2021 offensive productivity, especially from the first quarter. You know, led the led the nation 14.6 points per quarter, uh, first quarter, excuse me, in 2021 to the second best team 10.6 points, Georgia. So that to come out fast because. Tennessee's defense is anemic. I'm not going to pull any punches on that. Their pass defense is anemic. Man, Anthony Richardson looked like a Heisman uh, candidate, you know, a couple weeks ago in Knoxville. Now, Jalen Daniels is another type of that quarterback. He's a, he's an Anthony Richardson-esque type quarterback. Do I think he's as good as Richardson? No, I don't. I don't think he has the arm talent. I don't think he has the leg talent. I don't think he has the the talent, the athletic ability. I don't think he has the, the athleticism to match Anthony Richardson. That being said, I think LSU has as many weapons on the edge as Florida does. Um, so what it's going to come down to is Tennessee defense shoring up past defense. I think takeaways are going to be pivotal, especially early on. Let's say, you know, Tennessee's very first game of the season against Ball State. First play of the game, Tamarian McDonald intercepts Pat. Uh, next play, Hendon Hooker finds Jalen Hyatt for a touchdown. Two plays into the season, you've got an interception and a touchdown. We need to see something that quick against LSU. If Tennessee wins the, wins the toss, I expect them to defer, uh, start the game on defense, stop, go score quickly. What it's going to take? It's going to take one stop, a quick stop of LSU, go down the score, potentially get another stop, go down with a field goal, anything you can get up to two possessions. If Tennessee goes up two possessions early, I think it'll bode to their to bode well for them. I think it'll play to their benefit. Got to take care of the ball. I think takeaways are going to be pivotal. Uh, penalty yardage is going to be pivotal in this one. Uh, like I said, I don't want to see the defense getting any penalties. I want to see offsides. I don't want to see any. Uh, anything like that, because well, like I just told y'all, they were bragging about how they'll be able to hear one another defensively uh, in, in Baton Rouge. So I expect them to play a much cleaner game procedurally. 
both offensively and defensively. But I think early um, early momentum is what's going to be the the make or break in this one because obviously they're going to force uh, they're going to try to force Daniels to stay in the pocket and beat him over the top with his arm, which I just don't think he has the the, the ability to do. I think it's a lot like the Anthony Richardson situation. But if you're going to force somebody to beat you with their arm, you can't let them beat you with their arm. You're going to have to you know force them <laughs> force them to pass, but you're going to have to play some pass defense as well. So. Tennessee got to shore up the passing defense, or it could end up being a long day, but LSU's defense now, I'm telling you guys, uh, Ojolari is an absolute beast. That guy is one of my favorite players in college football, um, and, and, you know, I, I hate that uh, he's going to be going up against my guys on Saturday, but uh, it's probably going to be a pretty good day for him. Uh, but if Tennessee can just do what they do, I think they have way too many weapons offensively. If the offensive line can give Hendon Hooker just a couple seconds to release the ball, he's got a quick release anyway, doesn't need that long. Give him just a couple seconds to, to either you know go through his reads, find out where he needs to make the throw or where he needs to tuck it and run. Uh, one of the best in the country doing that as well. So I don't think LSU's defense has seen a dual threat quarterback to the likes of Hendon Hooker yet. So that play to Tennessee's benefit as well. So what it's going to come down to really is whoever has the strongest weakness. Uh, is LSU's offense going to be uh, weaker than Tennessee's defense or vice versa? That's where the game will be made. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this one to the Vols, 35-31. All right. When John Hammond, do you have any other thing for, questions for him? No, I mean, I, you know, I re- listened to something yesterday. I listened to Josh Pate, um, and he was talking about, you know, how Tennessee was ranked 128th out of 131 in pass defense. Um, if they – you know, and he also said that the front four was probably better than they've had in the last three or four years. Yeah. So if their front four can get some pressure, I think it'll put it take some pressure off the secondary. Yeah, agreed. But, now the pressure the pressure has to be early too. Uh, pressure can be one thing, but if you do nothing with it, then it's kind of meaningless. You know, uh, like Ball State game for instance, they had no quarterback sacks whatsoever, um, but did, you know, get enough pressure on him to cause a couple takeaways and things like that. You know, you look into the week of the season against Pittsburgh, Tennessee had more quarterback hurries, more quarterback rushes uh, than they had had in years prior. So they're getting to the quarterback, and it's like you that, that front four is probably one of the best front four we've had in a long time. One of very good friends plays uh, on that uh, on that front four there. Karat Garland, I'm, I'm glad he's finally getting his time to shine. I knew he'd do great. But Rodney Garner is the reason that, uh, that that Tennessee defensive line is just – Superb. I mean, y'all know Rodney Garner. He's a legend. I mean, anybody in the AC, you, you, you mention his name anywhere. It doesn't matter anywhere you go. You could go up and talk to Mark Stoops and bring up Rodney Garner, and he would praise him. Everybody loves Rodney Garner. He is a legend. And what he's been able to get out of these boys on the defensive line has been superb this season. Not many people expected defensive push from that defensive line. So, you know, you said, Hammonds, if, if Tennessee can get some pressure with their front four and kind of creates a little bit of that pressure off the back end, uh, off your third level of your defense and everything, which Tennessee is going to need some help with. Uh, they did lose uh, Warren Burrell for the season. And uh, we might get to see, like I said, D. Williams step up a little bit of cornerback this weekend, you know, one of the nation's top prospects of Christian. So excited to see what happens there. You know, it's like it's like Hammond says, man, if Tennessee can get some pressure on Jalen Daniels, then uh, it could be a long day for LSU offensively. Yeah, and another thing, you know, real quick, that worries me, is Tennessee hasn't had no pressure on them really all year. And LSU is a place that is a hard place to play. You know, you're going in there, it's Death Valley. The fans will be crazy. Um, and 
you get a team like Tennessee that hasn't had a lot of pressure on them all year, get them behind 14 nothing. It it could be some issues. So if you mean in terms of game pressure, like um, you game know, pressure, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, they really haven't had that this season, and it's there's the, only been they had the Pittsburgh game early, exactly, exactly. They had Pittsburgh on the road. Right. Uh, you know, you get you've, you've got a lead for the majority of that game. You kind of just you've got a string quarterback out there just torching you all of a sudden, um, and you kind of get down on yourself a little bit. You know, you you can see you could feel the game uh, just kind of tweeter back just a little bit, and uh, Tennessee just kind of lose control for moments. Um, so I feel like that was big for them in terms of uh, the momentum aspect of pressure, and got the Florida game. You know, the tail end of that game where. Every Tennessee fan in the entire world knew that something crazy was going to happen near the end. Uh, as soon, I'm telling you, boys, as soon as Florida recovered that onside kick, you couldn't have drove a nail in my rear with a 20-pound sledgehammer. Hey, that onside uh, kick was an excellent, it was beautiful. excellent, it was beautiful. executed onside kick. And you I know, mean, I've seen two this year that were beautiful like that. That one, uh, and then uh, Arkansas pulled a really, really, really good one off last week against Alabama. Uh, it was beautiful, but the one against Tennessee was with Florida, man. That was that was something else. I mean, it could not have bounced any more. And he caught it exactly hands. like down the sideline and ran for a little bit. I mean, it was yep. beautiful. It was perfect. When he caught it and started running, I thought for sure that was going to be a touchdown. Luckily, Tennessee <laughs> got the stop. But you know, every Tennessee fan in the world, you know, just they drew up right then. It was it was a very horrifying moment for Tennessee. We'd all seen that move hundred times before, you know. We knew who ended. So this just goes to show, you know. Hey, Florida, 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 Florida got down and they did not give up, and you know so. But Tennessee held on and made the stops when they needed it there late. So, you know, and got the big win. That was a huge win for for, for you guys. It is. It's a big mental block for Tennessee, that, that Florida game. But it's a lot like, you know, we can look at other schools in the country. Tennessee, Kentucky, that's another one of those games that seems like Kentucky could have, you know, it could be on trajectory for an 11-1 and season. And Every year. In the country. Um, you know, when they come to Tennessee, <laughs> and it's, you know, let's see, we were talking about games I was on the field for uh, in 2018. <laughs> I had the pleasure of being on the field for that game uh, when when uh, Kentucky came into Tennessee ranked. I believe it was 11th country. Uh, and they came in ranked, and I was on the field for that game. And you know, we heard I'd actually got an argument with Matt Jones on on Paul Feinbaum's show uh, earlier that week. A great time. I'd tell you guys that story some other time. But so I'm on the field for Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, and you know, Kentucky comes in ranked to let Terry Wilson, Benny Snell, Josh Allen, right. all great guys. I've, I've interviewed them all, all great guys, and everybody's like, oh, you know, Kentucky's going to absolutely molly wall up Tennessee. And I was like, well, I don't think so. You know, I really like the way we line up and the way we match up with Kentucky and this and that. And Kentucky comes in really cool in Neyland Stadium, and it did not so well. 24-7 win for Tennessee. So, um, you know. Tennessee basically always has Kentucky's number. It doesn't make any difference. And, it's, again, <laughs> it's the same way with Florida. It's just it's one of those I'll mental, give you an example. Blocks. I'll give you an example. We, we went. We was in the, uh, was it 2016, 2017, when Tennessee came up with Butch Jones? I can't remember. It might have been 16. The season y'all won was 2017, 29-26 in Lexington. Yeah, that was it. And the first play of the game, Kentucky fumbles, and Tennessee gets the ball at the Kentucky 10. And I'm like, yeah, this is, it happens every time. It's like there's a... There's a mental thing. It just, there it's is. like, 
I don't know if it's just it's a curse or what it is, but it's just something yeah. that's not going just on. Just so there. you know, I'm not looking forward to the Tennessee game and going to Nagelin in a few weeks. So I'm not either. <laughs> I am. I am looking forward to it a lot. Uh, but I'm, just, uh, I'm not looking forward to that game. But you know, mentality plays a big factor in how a team plays. You know, Florida. You know, they they came into Knoxville a couple of weeks ago with a clear uh, clear inferior team. Um, you know, everybody knew that Tennessee had the better team in that game, except for, you know, Florida came in there. Well, we beat the, we beat the piss out of Tennessee. We beat Tennessee every year. Let's just go out and take care of business. Right. And that's how they play. That is, and that goes to show, you know, I don't know if I, Hammonds, I know you played ball growing up. I always heard the game is 90% mental. Every sport I played, I always heard it was 90% mental. Absolutely. And you know, right. It is exactly right. It's all about how do you have it. It's how you approach your work day every day. It's how hard you want to work. It's how hungry are you for the winning mentality. How how hard are you willing to work? How hungry are you? You know, and, and it's all about mentality. And I think that goes to show a lot. College football is the greatest sport on earth for that reason. Any given Saturday, man, anybody can win. And, you know, boys, we've had a pretty good season of football already, and I'm looking forward to seeing the rest of it wind out. Yeah, absolutely. I love college football. We, that's the reason why John and I started this and doing this. Um, same reason you was talking about you started yours. Um, you know, we just, uh, want to get involved and be, and be in the sport somehow in some way. And this is a way we can do it. We appreciate you coming on, John, and doing this with us and kind of previewing the Tennessee LSU game, a little bit of their whole season as well. Um, so, Hammonds, you have anything else you want to add to that? No, I'm good. All I appreciate right, you coming on, John. I appreciate you guys having me, man. And I, uh, I know I go off on some tangents sometimes like that. It's just, uh, you know, you do this to love, you know what I mean? And I appreciate you all again for, I mean, you guys do a great job. John, man, it's, uh, it's a pleasure, man. You run into me later down here at Daniel Boone. Just give me a shout, brother. I sure will, brother. All right, yeah, man. Have a good afternoon. I appreciate you.